Well, this passage comes to every one of us this morning when the Lord Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Because at some time or another in all of our lives, without exception, uh, we will have troubled hearts. Uh, whether that's from grief or from, from pain or from any number of anxieties. In this particular section, in this passage, there are two reasons for Jesus saying this. Uh, he's just spoken to them um, and said to the disciples, I'm, I'm going away. I'm only going to be with you for a little while longer. Uh, and they're really hit by this sense of loss. And then secondly, there, there is fear, particularly for, for Peter. Jesus is saying to him, you're going to deny me in just a matter of a few hours. You'll, you'll do it on several occasions. You're not as brave as you think you are. Uh, you will not stand and lay down your life for me. Uh, you're going to fail. And so for these two reasons of, of loss and fear, as he looks into their faces and he sees the trouble there, he now goes on and, and says to them, Let not your heart be troubled. And he gives reasons for that, for him saying that. And I want to just point out uh, three of them to you. These three reasons given by the Lord Jesus why our hearts should not ultimately uh, be troubled. And of course, by him saying that, he's not ignoring the reality of our circumstances and our lives. But these things are said to help us when we have a troubled heart. And the great thing about them is that they all centre on Christ himself. That's the absolute secret. You just read down these six verses and you see how many times the Lord Jesus mentions himself, refers to himself. So let me give you the outline here. What he's basically saying is this. Number one, you can believe in me, in who I am, in my person. Secondly, you can believe in me, in what I do, in my work. And then thirdly, let not your heart be troubled because you can believe in my uniqueness, that I stand apart, that I stand alone. So, Let's look at these. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What he's saying is this, that in the face of trouble, we are to have belief in God, in God's presence being with us, in his goodness and in his love when we are tempted to doubt that he cares. We are to have belief in his overarching power and his sovereignty in all of our circumstances, that he is still in control. When the mountains seem to crash down into the sea, we are to believe in God. Not just about him, but we are to have faith and trust in him. But then what he says is this in the same breath. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, you, you see what he's doing here. He's putting himself on the same level, included in the same category as God the Father. He's fusing both statements together. And this is another of those wonderful statements that emphasize the deity 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a little bit like what the, the rich young ruler should have cottoned on to when he came to Jesus and said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, And why are you calling me good? Don't you know that there is only one good, and that is one who is good, and that is God? And, and what he's, he's trying to draw him out, he's trying to lead him on to make the inevitable conclusion, the logical conclusion that if I am good and only God is good, then I am God. Of course, he, he didn't make that connection. But this is the same thing that we have here. And so we are to believe in Christ in exactly the same way that we believe in God, we lean on our Lord Jesus Christ, we rest on him. All our confidence and our trust is placed in our Lord Jesus Christ to be our saviour, to forgive our sins, to bring us through to eternal glory. But it's, it's, it's also believe uh, to believe in what he says what he promises, and what he does. You believe in who I am, you're to do that, but you're also to believe in what I will do in my work. That's the second point. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If that wasn't the case, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's plenty of room. There's room enough for all in my father's house, my father's spacious house. It reminds me actually of my own father's first house. It was a tenement building, number 1312 Shettleston Road in Glasgow. Five children in one room in a kitchen with the the bed in the wall uh, as, a, as a drawer. And if... Uh, you were to come downstairs in the morning, you would be down in the street. But uh, this is a spacious house that is being talked about here. And he's going to prepare a place for us. How, how is he doing that? Well, in First Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about an inheritance that is incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fades not away, that is kept, that is reserved in heaven. For you, for those who believe in Christ, um, there, there's a name, a place name. It's there for you with your name against it. And the Lord Jesus said on one occasion to his uh, disciples, when they came back just so enthusiastic after a mission where even the demons were subject to them in his name, and he said, don't, don't rejoice in this. But rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. He's going to prepare a place just for us, specifically, individually, for each one of us. He's preparing that place. And irrespective of what is involved in that, that preparation over those last 2,000 years while Christ has been in heaven, there, there is a second way, if you like that he has prepared a place. And that points us to the cross, actually. It points us to Calvary. If ever there was a place of preparation for us,
for the Father's house. It was what he did upon the cross at Calvary. That is how the way was prepared. That is how the way was opened up. How it was created for us to be able to be residents of the Father's house. And what a preparation that was. What work was involved? What, what sacrifice and endeavour and effort and cost upon the cross, upon that accursed tree? Just back a couple of chapters, John chapter 12, the Lord Jesus had said, Now is my soul troubled. And he was troubled so that our hearts would not need to be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. But his work is described in a second way. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Well, here is something to believe in. Just in the same way as the, the people of God have believed in this throughout the entire history of the church through the centuries, that their Saviour will return again to receive his people to himself. In our day and age, to a large extent, this, this is almost like a forgotten doctrine. And so we need to lift up our eyes and, and lift up our heads, because now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And we have to remember that we have a bright hope, a blessed hope, that Jesus will come again. And notice what the, the essence of his coming is here. It's not to be in heaven. It's not to walk the streets of gold. No, it's I will take you to be with myself. That where I am, there you might be also. It's, it's being with Christ our Saviour that makes heaven what it is. It's an extension of, or rather it's the full culmination of what it means to be a Christian now. Which is following Christ loving Christ, serving Christ, being with him through his word and in prayer, as Paul says, for me to live as Christ. So why would I expect or, or even want to be with Christ in heaven if I have no desire to be with him now? That is a challenge, is it not, for all of us? It's at this point that Thomas uh, interjects and he says, you say you're going away, but I mean, we don't know where you're going to. And Jesus comes with this wonderful statement in verse 6, I am the way, the truth uh, and the life. Let's just take them one by one. And this is the, the, the point about the uniqueness of Christ. The way is not... A belief system. It's not a code. It's not even a set of tasks. The way is Christ himself. He doesn't say, I'll show you the way. I'll teach you the way. He says, I am the way. And he is the only way, the unique way. It is only Christ who is the way. Totally exclusive. Not Christ and Moses not Christ and Muhammad or Buddha or anything or anybody else, had he not previously said, I am the door. Through me, if anyone enters in, he will be saved. The apostles will go on to say, there is no other name 
under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And the early church in the book of Acts actually they became known as the followers of the way. That was the thing that marked them out more than anything else, the uniqueness of their message. Now that might seem very narrow in our day and age, but this is the absolute message of the gospel. And why why do we say this? Rather, why does the Lord Jesus say this? That he is the only way to the Father. Well, the main reason is this. It's found in our human condition. It is found in the nature of the problem that we have. Our sin, that is such an ingrained and integral part of who we are as human beings. And how can, we, how can that sin issue be dealt with? Now, what, what is required is a mediator. It is somebody who is both God and man and brings us together. And that, of course, is exactly who Christ is. And there has never, ever been someone who was God and man, only him. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and man, himself, the man, Christ Jesus. That is why he can uniquely be the way to God. I love the description of the the transfiguration of Christ from this uh, perspective. Here is Moses and Elijah, along with the three disciples, in discussion with Christ. And uh, Peter's keen to build these shelters for all of them. And the cloud comes down and overshadows the occasion. And the voice is heard saying, you know, this is my son. You need to, you need to listen to him. And when the cloud uh, evaporates, passes over, he only sees Christ. They saw no one except Jesus only. And there's something very symbolic and powerful about that. Uniquely, Christ stood alone in his majesty and in his glory on a different plane altogether, in a different class completely from even the best and the greatest of men. And and that is what he's emphasizing here to us, his uniqueness. We believe in him. We believe in what he does, but we believe in his uniqueness as the only saviour of men. I am the way, I am the truth. Doesn't he say so many times, truly, truly, I say unto you. We will never regret believing in Christ. We will never be disappointed or felt let down. There will never be a day when we, we discover that it's, it's all been a big fabrication. Uh, it's been a hoax. There's not a deception here. This, this is the truth. This is the authority of Christ that we're listening to when he says, I am the way, I am the truth. You know, for quite a number of, of summers, I used to be engrossed in the Tour de France. It really started when I read Lance Armstrong's book, uh, It's Not About the Bike. Uh, I was I felt it was just sensational. You know, this person who had testicular cancer with lung and brain secondaries and uh, how he had survived that to, to win the tour and raise all these money for, for cancer survivors. And I just read all the books there were on it. And, and then eventually to learn that it was just all a big lie. 
you know, that the man had doped for years and he had been so brazen about it and, and, and lied so consistently about it and to find out that what seemed such an inspiring story, you know, was, was just nothing than sham. I mean, that will never be the case with the gospel of Christ. He's the truth. He is the truth and he is the life. We come to the Father by being born from above, by being born again, receiving eternal life through faith in Christ. He is the life giver. I give unto my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. Different kind of life that will eventually involve us being in the Father's house forever. So in closing, where do we find help for a, for a troubled heart? For us, who is that bridge over our troubled water? It's all about him. Everything revolves in this passage round about him. Let us hear these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In a moment we'll, we will hear these words sung. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness I see. There's light for a look at the Saviour. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Believe in God. Believe also in me, who I am, what I do, and in my uniqueness. May God bless you.